Revelation 22, um, starting from verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit for every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more light. They will not need the light of a lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. <coughs> the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you, and with all your fellow prophets, and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for all churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes, let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll: if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of the prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things. Says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Hi, everyone. My name is Jeff. I'm pastor of New Church. Uh, great to be digging into Revelation with you tonight. If you Google the book of Revelation, uh, you get some good results. Uh, if you flick uh, across to Google Images, uh, then you get a bunch of things. Uh, let's see if I can do it. Anyway, can you imagine what you get when you Google Revelation? Picture <laughs> <laughs> that in your mind. We'll see that in a minute. Uh, are we good at Okay. Stuff like this. Uh, pictures like this. Uh, tables much like this. Uh, I think all that adds up to make us think that Revelation is this crazy thing, right? It's, it's 
tricky, it's scary, it's complicated, I, I kind of don't know what to do with it. Uh, but I think it's a little bit like this.
Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. That's, that's how it starts. And so John is telling us exactly what this book is. It's a revelation. Uh, that is, something is covered, uh, unknown, and it's going to be revealed, shown. Uh, it's like on reality TV shows, um, you know, those home reno shows where they have the reveal, the, the bathroom reveal, and you have this mystery. You don't know what it's going to be, and then they, they you know, drag out over three episodes, and it's a dolphin bathroom. And, but that's, that's the reveal. Uh, you have no idea. And God is revealing what must soon take place. And so it's also a prophecy, we're told. Uh, but a prophecy is not just telling the future. Uh, that's not what prophecy is. Uh, this is a prophecy uh, where God is showing his people everything that must take place as a consequence <coughs> of Jesus' death and resurrection. So everything that follows from those momentous events at Easter. Uh, and it's what must soon take place for the churches. Because, I don't know if you noticed that, at the start of verse 4, that it's a letter, John addresses it, John to the uh, churches in the province of Asia. And so, it's actually just like the other letters that you read in the New Testament. Uh, it speaks directly to uh, real people in a real situation, for their good. Uh, and so, if it's doing that, uh, it can't be about Russia, it can't be about Donald Trump and helicopter gunships because that, that's useless to them. They have no idea about that. It doesn't make any sense. And so it's for them and it's for their patient endurance. So have a look uh, there at uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, this is John as he launches it into it. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos. The, the people first reading Revelation uh, shared those three things with John. The suffering, the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are ours in, in Jesus. And so as you uh, go into the book, you see that those things uh, come up over and over again. Uh, these are people that are suffering. They're being persecuted for being Christians. That is true, but also they belong to the kingdom. Uh, they are part of God's unshakable kingdom. And so the thing they need to keep doing is uh, patiently endure. They need patient endurance. Okay, so that is uh, actually the first key uh, to understanding Revelation. The first key to understanding Revelation is Revelation itself. Revelation gives you everything you need to know uh, to be able to unlock it. It tells you what it is. And I think if we get that, then we won't get ourselves tied in not trying to make Revelation do something that it's not trying to do. Uh, it's not trying to tell us when World War III is going to happen. Uh, so don't make it try and do that. Uh, and one last thing to notice that Revelation tells us about itself. It's a testimony. It's the Word of God about Jesus. The testimony of Jesus Christ. And so he is the focus. All the way through, it's about Jesus. And so that's how it kicks off, with uh, a vision of Jesus there in chapter 1, in the second half. Uh, it says that he is the living one, uh, the one who is dead and is now alive, and 
amazing description of him. And he's uh, full of all the features of the king with his robes and a sash and everything. And he has a sword coming out of his mouth. And straight away, uh, you should pick up that that is not literally describing what things are like. Jesus doesn't literally have a sword coming out of his mouth. Uh, John is seeing it, we're told, but he's seeing it in a vision. That is, the, the vision is, is using word pictures to communicate something powerfully to us. It's not saying that he has a sword in his mouth. It's saying that he has a powerful word. Uh, and uh, it's trying to make that point with some impact. And that's true all the way through Revelation. The symbols that you see over and over, uh, even as they get crazier, uh, that's not uh, communicating something literal. It's, it's communicating a truth. And so here, uh, in this vision, John is seeing the risen and the reigning king speaking to these seven churches. And he wants them to listen, to listen as he speaks. And as we uh, hear what Jesus has to say to these churches, uh, we see those three things again, suffering and kingdom and patient endurance. Uh, they're suffering, they're struggling in themselves uh, with immorality, uh, with false teaching from inside the church, and they're, they're struggling with persecution from outside, kind of hammering in on them. And so what are they to do? Well, to go back, chapter 3, verse 11. Uh, Jesus says, chapter 3, verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. That's the message, over and over. Patient endurance. The one who is victorious. Jesus is calling them to repent where they need to and to hold on to him in the face of this persecution that's coming at them. Uh, but Revelation doesn't just say, okay, you're being persecuted, suck it up, hold on. Uh, no, the, the whole point of Revelation is it gives this uh, vision to help these Christians who are struggling. Uh, to help them. And so chapter 4 does that by taking us into heaven with this reveal, uh, heaven opened. Not just so they can see the future, uh, but so they can see the heavenly reality behind their present situation. Uh, and that's going to help them to patiently endure while they wait for the end. So what does John see when heaven gets opened? Uh, well, what he sees is the throne room of God and all creation around it uh, falling in worship. Uh, but not just that. Have a look at chapter 5, verse 6. As well as the great throne, uh, chapter 5, verse 6 says this. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it was slain, standing at the centre of the throne. And so this first reveal... Uh, that uh, John wants these suffering Christians to, to know, the thing that he's seen is the Lamb. Uh, the Lamb has been slain, but uh, is sitting on the throne. The Lamb has won. He's the one, we're told, who's worthy to open the scrolls, who's uh, the Lord of history, who's uh, ruler of everything, and the focus of all worship is on uh, this Lamb. And the Lamb's people are secure. While the earth rages around them, these people are sealed, kept safe. 
And who are they? Uh, chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation, this suffering. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so uh, these suffering Christians in these seven churches uh, get this view of themselves uh, from a heavenly perspective. Uh, they are made righteous, uh, washed clean, in the blood of the Lamb, uh, secure uh, even in their persecution. And that is uh, the second key for understanding Revelation. The second key is the Gospel. So the first key is Revelation itself. Uh, the second key is the Gospel. Uh, that, is, that is the lens that the life, death, resurrection of Jesus is the lens through which you need to pass all of these images in Revelation. Uh, the Gospel tells us uh, the meaning that these pictures are pointing to. And uh, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've read Revelation before, my guess is you already do that. You already use the gospel as your key to understand these images. Uh, because if you thought that the Lamb was Jesus, uh, then you're already using the gospel as your interpretive key. I didn't say that. I didn't mention that the Lamb is Jesus. If you thought that, then you're already doing it right. The slain lamb is a picture of Jesus' sacrificial death. Uh, the lion is him as uh, the king over everything. And so the gospel is the key to understanding every bit of Revelation all the way through. And that's uh, still true even when you get to dragons and trumpets and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you still need to stop and think, how is this a picture of some aspect of the gospel? Uh, is this a picture of Jesus crushing Satan, destroying evil and rescuing his people? Uh, is this a picture of the gospel going out and people being called to, to turn and trust Jesus? Uh, Revelation has all of those kind of images, but just uh, set to maximum, just super dramatised with these images. But it's the same gospel message the whole way through. It's just put in your kaleidoscope mode. Uh, Alan Chapel has this uh, book, which you can see here, it's actually super tiny, and uh, the book is called A Gospel Pageant, uh, and it's a reader's guide to the book of Revelation, and it's amazing, it's so tiny, and it's so helpful in helping you to read through. Uh, that, this is the old version, this is the new version, which is not as cool as that one. <laughs> <laughs> can't get it. Uh, but I highly recommend, if you want to read through Revelation, this is your guidebook. Oh, uh, but the reason the book is called A Gospel Pageant is because uh, Revelation, Revelation keeps showing us these, these dramas of the Gospel. All the way through you see these pictures of the Gospel. Um, because here's, a, here's another trick uh, for getting through Revelation. Because John sees these scenes one after another, I think we instinctively take it uh, to mean that it all goes in a straight line, that it goes in chronological order the whole way through. But that is not how Revelation works. And uh, if you read it like that, then actually the world ends, and then it ends again, and then it ends again, and it ends all these times. Um, and that's how you get into these super complicated diagrams, raptures and returns and loops and everything. Uh, but Revelation isn't telling a chronological
chronological history. It's a sequence of scenes that describes the state of all history. It's not telling us the chronological history of the world, it's telling us a sequence of scenes that describes the state of all history. So here is a better way to show it than that first kind of stretched out uh, diagram. Uh, the intro and the letters kind of set things up, and then these gospel dramas show the different aspects of uh, what it's like in this time between Jesus' resurrection and his return. Uh, and it finishes with this uh, picture of heaven at the end of the new creation. Uh, it's a little bit like the 2008 movie Vantage Point. Uh, I assume that no one has seen this. Has anyone seen Vantage Point? <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we went straight to DVD, right? Not a great film. Uh, ask the question about it later. Uh, the only thing that stands out about Vantage Point uh, is the way that it's told, right? So the movie retells the same 23 minute period of time from eight different perspectives, uh, as the tagline says. Eight strangers, eight points of view, quite true. <laughs> so catchy. I'll have a research viewing. But as you go through, each vantage point adds a new element to the story, something that that person saw that the other people didn't see. And Revelation works like that with these multiple visions of the same stretch of time between Jesus' resurrection and his return. And uh, this is the time for patient endurance. For God's people. And this vision shows them different aspects of that and uh, takes uh, them through to the end and then back into history to see something of what it's like, something of the tyranny of this time, something of the chaos, something of the persecution of it. And uh, that's what Revelation is doing. And so uh, at the start we saw that the seven seals, that section shows us the reality in heaven uh, through this time. We need to go on and say, well, what perspective do the other sections give us? What about the seven trumpets when we go to that section? What about the seven signs, the seven bowls? Uh, well, I feel it. This is Revelation in one talk, so we're going to give it a crack. Let's go. Uh, the seven trumpets, uh, chapters 8 to 11. Uh, the seven trumpets take the vantage point of what will happen through this time as the gospel goes out. As the gospel goes out. That's the vantage point. Now, how do you work out that that's what it's about? Okay? Well, they're trumpets, right? There's a great hint already. What does a trumpet do? A trumpet is for an announcement. Uh, and these trumpets, uh, what do they do when they're blown? Well, they bring plagues. Uh, just like that. Verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 7. <coughs> The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. And these plagues are, are just like Exodus, just what, like we've been seeing through Exodus. And it's the same purpose that they had. The plagues in Exodus were meant to cause Pharaoh to, to acknowledge God and to repent. And so at the end of Revelation, we see the same thing. That uh, something of uh, the chaos of our world, that natural disasters are meant to remind people that there is God and that all is not right with our world and we need to repent. But along with the trumpets we have a couple of other pictures in this uh, section. 
John is told to eat a scroll in uh, chapter 10, verse 9. That's not like a Benjamin scroll. That's literally a piece of paper scroll. That sounds like, it sounds bizarre. Uh, unless you've read Ezekiel. Happened to have read Ezekiel. Uh, because that's exactly what happens to Ezekiel. Uh, when God calls him and sends him to Israel to, to uh, call the nation of Israel to repentance, to preach uh, God's word to them. And so uh, that's what John is to do when he's told to eat this scroll. He's to keep on proclaiming the gospel, calling the world uh, to acknowledge God and to turn around and trust him. Uh, so that is the third key to Revelation. Third key is the Old Testament. Uh, the first key is Revelation itself. The second key is the Gospel. The third key is the Old Testament. Because Revelation is just chock full of Old Testament references. And if you can kind of dig around and understand them, then you'll be able to get the meaning of these pictures. And so Revelation, uh, in this section, is calling God's people to patient endurance. in proclaiming the gospel. It's telling them what to expect, uh, that the world will hate it when it does that, that the world will, will hit back at the church for proclaiming the gospel. Uh, there's the two witnesses in chapter 11 that are killed by the beast, but God raises them up. And it's a picture of any Christian who dares to tell uh, the gospel, that there is a God, whom we owe our lives, to whom we must turn. And so uh, this gospel scene is uh, for our patient endurance in proclaiming the gospel. Okay, what about the, the next section, the seven signs? Uh, have a look at chapter, three, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. It says this, Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Uh, this section takes the vantage point of how Satan is at work uh, in this period between Jesus' resurrection and his return. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. There's uh, this dragon, there's these two beasts, and they form this unholy trinity, uh, this disgusting parody of uh, God himself. And uh, chapter 13, verse 7, it was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. See, uh, the language of God's rule is, is given to the, the beast because this time between Jesus' resurrection and his return will be one of, of suffering, of, of persecution for God's people. And that's exactly what uh, these seven churches in uh, the region of Asia found themselves. Um, facing that kind of persecution. And Revelation deals with that directly. And uh, I think that's a comfort for uh, many Christians today as well. Uh, we don't feel anything near like this uh, level of persecution that you could describe uh, anything like the beast. But Christians in Syria, in Iraq, in China, in Egypt, they, they get this. They, they get this imagery of a beast and dragons and 
history is blind. And so, what do they need to do? Uh, well, have a look at what it says uh, down below, chapter 13, verse 10. In that situation, what do they need to do? This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. See, the purpose of Satan 
less greedy, right? No less idolatry, worship of the things of this world. Have a listen to chapter 18, verse 19, and think about our ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. It sounds shocking, doesn't it? But the instruction here for God's people is to rejoice. Why? Because to see God's justice, to see things set right, to see evil done away with, to see that God is fair and right and he hasn't let evil kind of just slip through. Nothing, this garden is renewed and there's a river of life and a tree at the centre. 
everything is new and uh, this glorious future is shown there at the end in Jesus. All of these pictures just come crashing together to describe what it's like to have this eternal life with God. And so I feel like I can't just describe it to you, we really should read it. So let's uh, read chapter 21 from verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Can you see how that is a marvellous comfort uh, if you are a persecuted Christian? If you're someone who is, is suffering, perhaps uh, facing the prospect of death for holding on to Jesus, if you're someone who is faithfully holding out the gospel, at risk to yourself. Isn't that exactly the picture that we need to see? Isn't that exactly what we need to hear? To see that glorious end point. <coughs> That's what Revelation is for. It's for patient endurance for the people of God have between his resurrection and his return. So how are you going? How are you going with your patient endurance? If you've got someone who calls yourself a Christian, how are you going at enduring? Are you ready for your Christian life to be tough? Are you ready to hang in there when it gets tough? Are you pushing on with proclaiming the gospel however you can? Uh, even when that kind of blows back at you, are you enduring with that? Are you enduring holding on to Jesus? Uh, if you're finding that hard, and the good news is, 